Welcome to the Hassle-Free RE Podcast, a real estate podcast where we bring you stories, education, and tips for investors and real estate enthusiasts. If you're interested in investing in real estate or just want to keep a pulse on what's happening in the market, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. If you enjoy our show, please make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by the Five Star Co-host, an Airbnb management and consulting company that helps homeowners turn their properties into passive income streams through short-term rentals. Do you want to turn your vacation house into a passive income stream? Then look no further. The Five Star Co-host has served over a thousand guests in several Airbnb properties and in varying markets. The STR Co-host or the Five Star Co-host is at the vanguard of the short-term rental industry by leveraging technology systems to maximize the guest experience while achieving high revenue for owners. Get a free home analysis by emailing the five-star co-host at gmail.com. That's the five-star co-host at gmail.com. T-H-E-F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-C-O-H-O-S-T at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this two-part interview with Ryan Bakey. This is the second part or the second episode of our interview with Ryan. Uh, it, it went so long that we actually had to split it up into two parts. So just to recap from our interview or our uh, podcast last week, uh, we talked about how Ryan got started in his career as a consultant, as well as an investor, and how that laid the foundation for his firm, where he does tax strategy for real estate investors. Now, we're going to take that one step further, and we'll talk about some of the more advanced tax strategies and benefits with real-life uh, real examples and application for how Ryan achieves what he does for his clients. So for anyone that missed last week's episode, I highly encourage you to go back and have a listen. But if you did miss it, we're going to kick things off with uh, replaying the introduction for Ryan, and then we'll jump right into where we left off with the episode from last week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hassle-Free RE Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Menapace, and here's my co-host. Kim Menapace. So with that, we have a, a very special guest for you today. His name is Ryan Bakey. So Ryan has a background in accounting and finance, and right out of college, Ryan went to work for Deloitte Consulting. He consulted there with the top five investment bank, working on their real estate syndications and head fund transactions. After almost two years at Deloitte, Ryan decided that he wanted to help the average investor. So he started his firm, MLS Consulting, PLLC. Ryan, uh, MLS Consulting PLLC serves real estate investors and helps them with tax strategy and filing. Ryan has saved millions of dollars for his clients. Ryan's also an investor himself, owning uh, several multifamily and short-term rental properties. He also has a love for personal finance and is always looking to spread the good news of investing. I'll also add that he's a fantastic public speaker. We got to see him present in Nashville, and I think he's pretty good at podcasts too. To understand real estate professional status, because it is the golden goose egg of the tax code for real estate people. And 
how crazy this is, is I hosted a boot camp last month with another CPA who's a real estate CPA. And there was a lady on there. I can't say her name, but she go, and I charge a pretty penny for this course. Don't get me wrong. It's like $700 for the day. But the best fulfillment I got from that was she goes, what you taught me today, I'm going to save six figures in taxes a year for the rest of my working career. And I was like, I was like, wow. And so if you're full-time in real estate and you're also owning properties, you need to check out, at least look at my podcast on real estate professional status. I don't know what episodes they are, but they're on there. And I deep dive and I talk all about this. It's, it is, if there's a more part of the tax code that benefits rich and wealthy people, I don't know about it. It's got to be that. Wow. And now if somebody is like managing, uh, co-hosting short-term rentals and like that's their gig, I'm assuming that would be an example of a real estate professional status of some sort, right? Yeah. Property management would qualify for, um, property management would normally qualify for real estate professional status. Uh, Can we segue into short-term rentals now? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So I spent a lot of time talking about real estate professional status. But what about the person who works in tech or is a doctor, a lawyer, a CPA, uh, not a real estate professional? They can achieve the same thing by investing in short-term rentals. And the thing here is that in order to make it a short-term rental, it has to be used on what's called a transient basis, which means the property is rented out an average of seven days or less. So I got, let's say I have 170 days booked. And I have, you know, 20 unique guests or maybe 40 unique stays. I divide those numbers together. And as long as it's 7.0 or less, it qualifies as a short-term rental. Um, That's not enough though, because I still have to be the one that's managing that property and doing the day-to-day. I could still have a cleaner and there's specific rules around, you know, on that, that again, I have a podcast for, of course, but if you can meet those rules, now you're able to get around that need to be a real estate professional and anybody can use those losses to offset their income. And so I normally tell people for a single person making 200,000 or a married couple making 400 combined, buying a half million dollar cabin, I'm seeing on average 35 to 40 grand in tax savings per property. It's absolutely insane. And so you're able to save that money and then back to the finance part of it, right? If I'm able to save 40 grand this year and reinvest that into my business, my real estate, et cetera, I'm fine with paying the tax later down the road if I have to, because now I'm going to have more money to be able to pay that with. Right. So it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul, uh, like Bible reference. (laughs) And it's, it's this whole idea of, okay, let me go and take the losses against my income when I'm in a 35% tax bracket. And then once I'm full-time, like in real estate or I'm retired or I'm winding down, then I can start selling off my assets at lower tax brackets. Maybe I'm only in a 12 or 14% bracket that year. Right. So I got my deductions at super high rates. And as I start to lean out my portfolio or my involvement in real estate, that's when you that's when you sell off. And then if you do that, then you win the, the tax strategy game. Man, my mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Kim, what do you think? Oh, I was thinking about how. I need to check out your podcast myself and about how you were saying that that $700 course, it was going to pay dividends for that woman. I think there's a, we t- Dave and I talk about this a lot, a difference between cost and value and investments mm. and investment and education. I think that Dave and I both have grad school degrees and part of us, 
thinks like, was that a, the right decision? We've learned so much from books, podcasts, conferences, webinars, all those things uh, in the last several years that uh, that we're leveraging and, and really um, expanding in our professional repertoire and our investment strategy. So uh, it was just very cool to hear that and, and don't ever be shy about charging $700 yeah. for that course. I think that that sounds like a bargain for that person. And, and just in general, I think that it is really the, the value and the, the person who's purchasing it sees it as an investment and they're tapping into your vast knowledge that you've built over years and years to distill down so that people can get all of that content in a, in a very succinct way. So. And like the other thing, and this ties back to more sort of like the acceleration curve we were talking about, you know, these are the strategies that people that are savvy and people that are educated on this topic will leverage, right? To They'll use these, these tools, these strategies, they'll pay to work with someone like Ryan, right? So like they can continue to plant trees, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, it, that 35 grand tax savings, it's like that could be a down payment on another house, you know, especially if you're buying in the right market with 10% down. So it's just, you know, or that could be, um, you know, that could be investment in like a pool or different amenities at a house to really increase the ADR and things like that. So there's, it's, it's not like somebody just magically gets rich I shouldn't say it's not like, I think there's a perception, especially when people look at Kim and I like, oh, we just have a buttload of money that we keep going and buying houses with. But no, you find ways, you find savings, you live within your means, you live smart and you keep taking advantage of opportunities and you pay to get yourself educated on this stuff to continue to slowly build your portfolio and, and you, you build your wealth over time. The other big takeaway that I just got that I thought was really fascinating was really being strategic about when you're uh, having, you know, incurring a taxable event too, right? Um, you know, up around us in, in the Northeast, you know, salaries are fairly high. There's a lot of tech, there's a lot of healthcare, things like that. And um, I always do wonder, like, I understand when big construction companies are in the flipping space. Um, and actually, Kim, you got to run. I'll, well, Ryan and I'll continue to chat for a bit, but thanks for, thanks for that. So I, you thanks, know, Kim. the, the big construction companies, it makes sense. Like if they have big infrastructure and they're just like the Amazon of flipping houses, that's fine. But mom and pops doing it while they're also working full-time, not a full-time flipper can um, can have some pretty big consequences from a tax perspective if they're not doing it safely. So I think, you know, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, um, I, a, a big thing about that, and I just got off a call, a consult, consultation earlier today where a client had flipped two properties in the same year or, or flipped one, sold it, and is thinking about selling the second one. And I something as simple as saying, Hey, you're plan you're under contract. You're planning on selling that property like middle of December. Something as simple as waiting until the following year also pushes the tax liability out a year. So instead of in and when you go back to the income brackets, right? There are W two incomes here. They sell the first flip. Now they're up here. Well, if they sell that second flip, then they're up here at a super higher tax bracket. So simply waiting the time, the extra two weeks, probably going to save them you know six seven thousand dollars because their bracket is um 
is reset now. So in 2023, all they're going to have is their W-2 income and then the flip rather than stacking the flip on already higher marginal tax brackets. So that like timing of when you do stuff is also equally important um, when you, when it comes to like tax planning. So I just thought right. I'd share that. Yeah, um, that's critical. Another thing too right now is, especially in the short-term rental space, people are starting to see bookings go down because of you know looming recession, interest rates, economy, whatever you want to call it. And one of the ways to actually get cash flow and free up some of that is through the tax strategy, right? If I say, hey, like this, this cabin that I just bought is going to save me 20 grand. Well, I'm able to tap into that tax savings now. I can free up cash flow that I'm losing because my bookings are down. So is that because like if a night is not booked, but it's available to be booked, that can be a tax write-off like with the long-term rental or? it's. I think it's just people who weren't, interested in the tax benefits and the strategy before are now have to be a little bit curious or puzzled at least to treat their interests to say, Oh, okay. So you're telling me I could save maybe 10 to 15 grand by doing X, Y, and Z. Well, let me look into that further. So for example, like I had a client where, uh, and this is back to the, the whole self-managing thing. Well, they're like, Hey, well, you know, we, we plan on having a property manager. We don't want to manage it ourselves. And I said, okay, well, that's fine, but um, you're looking at $28,000 a year in savings if you self-manage and you only have to self-manage it for the first year. And they're like, I think we'll self-manage. <laughs> and, and so it's like those type of things that um, most CPAs don't even know about um, that aren't focused in real estate. And if most CPAs aren't knowing about it, then definitely the general public is not uh, privy of it either. And so I just want to bring light and conversation to that and what I, what you mentioned before is, you know, price is what you pay, you know, the value is what you get. I will do that analysis for free for people to where it's, Hey, like I, this is what I charge. You know, I'm only going to actually work with you if I think I can save you five X of what I charge and I'll do that. So it'll be, it'll happen where, you know, Hey, you can, you can save like maybe two or three extra costs, but to be honest with you, I'd much rather you work with somebody else that might be cheaper, that is still going to provide you a service. And so like, I'll do that analysis with potential clients of, is it even worth bringing you on as a client? Um, being able to, I have calculators and tools now that within 15 minutes of conversation, I can kind of get a feel or project out what I think the tax savings might be. Well, and then even with that too, if maybe if they're not like kind of tier one, to your point that you made before, maybe that they'd really benefit from tier two or tier three and some of the other things that you offer them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but still provide value to everybody, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I and I do want to be really respectful of your time. And and this might even be one of those podcasts we break into part one and part two. <laughs> so, we might have to. That's right. So, back. so many questions. But you know, I'd love to get into maybe some of the more advanced stuff if if you're cool with that. If you got okay. a few more minutes to spend. Um, you know, there's a few other things. There's really like three or four and, and, and for our listeners, Ryan, and I had kind of listed them out before, but, um, you know, going down our, our list, Ryan, I think it would be really cool. Um, and this will be for folks that probably have like more than one rental property, but talking a little bit about what a cost segregation study is and how that can be such a powerful tool, uh, for folks to deploy. If, if you want to get shed some light on that. Yeah, so normal normal depreciation that's available to everybody is 
what's known as on a straight line basis. So if I bought a $275,000 property and it's a long-term rental, I'm going to get 275,000 divided by 27 and a half. So I get 10 grand of depreciation per year. So let's say my property makes me 15 grand and I have 10 grand of depreciation. Cool. My property made me the 15 grand, but I only had to pay 10. I only had to pay five grand in taxes because I got the $10,000 of depreciation. Or I'm able to accelerate that depreciation. And so instead of only getting $10,000 per year, maybe I'm getting 40 or 50,000. So that tax I would have had to pay on that 5,000 goes away. And then I have this loss, right? I have this, what's called a passive loss. Now, if I have other rental activities that have income, I can offset those activities with that loss. And that's awesome. Um, and most people do that. And that's ideally what everybody should be striving for is all your income coming from the passive buckets. So that way you're able to offset passive income with other losses. And so the, the, the cost segregation is going to allow you to accelerate those losses and depreciation to make you uh, take them sooner. Now, I will say, if you just have one long-term rental and you're not a real estate professional, it's not really going to do you much in the near term because you're not going to be able to use it to offset anything. But you might, let's say, let's say you got two rentals before and they're sitting on large gains. You might buy a third rental and say, hey, I'm going to do accelerated depreciation on this one and I can bank my loss. So that way, when I do go to sell my other two, I can sell them tax-free because I have this huge loss. And that's all that it's doing. And what, what that is doing with the depreciation, it, it goes back to that time value of money. So instead of getting the $10,000 per year for 27 and a half years, which quite honestly, who owns a property for 27 years anymore, right? Instead of getting that 10 grand for 27 and a half years, I'm able to front load that and maybe get 40 or 50 the first year. And then probably like 6,000 a year for the rest of the, of the time. But that's the name of the strategy is how do I accelerate those deductions quicker when I'm in higher tax brackets. And then ultimately when I do lean out and I, all my income is in the passive bucket, I'm, I'm gonna have a lesser taxable income. That's when I can sell or that's when I stop taking accelerated depreciation, et cetera. And that's just being able to play that, that game. Um, I hope I answered that. Yeah, yeah. And who is the one that actually performs the cost segregation study? Is it a CPA? Is it something investors do on their own? How's that work? Yeah. So. I would say there's um, there's a few different tiers, right? So we so you can do you. There's actually a software. There's online software out there that are like do it yourself. That typically run like five hundred to six hundred bucks a a study. Uh, the problem with those ones, uh, I guess the good thing about those ones is you can get it back within the same day if you have all your info ready to go. Uh, the the not so good thing about those is that they, because it's virtual and it's a tool and it's the taxpayer or the client that's using it. The studies are very conservative. Um, so let's say, you know, on a, let's just say on a $100,000 house, you might get 20%. So you might get 20 grand. Um, on a, now the next step up would be to actually have a CPA uh, help you with a study, which I do do for some clients. And, you know, maybe because of my knowledge, I might actually be able to get you 22 or 25%. Right. But the next level up from that, is going to be a virtual study that's done by uh, many firms in the country will do these virtual studies. That's gonna be better than anything that a CPA or the taxpayer can do, but it's gonna cost you more money. Sure. And then ultimately at the top of the totem pole is an in-person study where they actually go out to your property and analyze it. That's going to cost you the most amount of money, but it, it also may warrant you the most amount of depreciation. And so 
you really see this hedging hedging out when you're talking about people who are in um, 40% tax brackets with purchase prices of let's say half a million dollars or more because in that scenario where okay let's say $500,000 purchase price I can only get you 20% that's you know 100 grand of depreciation versus the cost segregation company might be able to get you 30 so they're going to get you 150 instead of 100 and that $50,000 delta at your 40% tax rate is worth $20,000 in additional wow. savings so I would say for people like if you are, you know, if it's a low purchase price and you're like lower income, maybe you're 12 or 22%, you can use a DIY study. That's fine. But if you're in a high tax bracket and you have a decent amount of purchase price, it's beneficial to have an expert or a, a company come and do it. I think Kim and I need to get one done on our house in Maine. It was like kind of right. It was, it's, you know, that house is like a whole case study in its own, but you know, on top of just buying the house, it's definitely fairly high. You know, it, it's that house is doing everything we needed to. You know, it's making it's hitting the margins we wanted to. It's doing well, and there's definitely been a lot of capital expenditures this year too, from like a hot tub to mm -hmm. a generator to you name it. It's a short term I, rental we got up. Can I show you something real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna so, do. I have okay. a, I have a tool on my website that you oh, can awesome. analyze analyze a short-term rental and you can actually see how much you stand to save by doing a cost segregation. Um, you have to let me share though. It says Perfect. Yeah. I'll do that now. Okay. I think I got it. Um, cool. So for example, this tool, and you could go on uh, just learn like a CPA.com. Nice. You'll find this. So this particular calculator, you just enter everything in green and then the red just flows. Well, what this tool will show you down here at the bottom is your investor metrics. And so this particular deal was a 60% cash on cash return before anything else. You're able to plug in your filing status as well as your total income and your rental income. And it will tell you what your tax benefits are with or without cost segregation. And then it will also calculate a cash on cash after cost segregation. So a deal that was 60% cash on cash is now 83% because I'm taking this $28,000 in tax savings and I'm adding it to my net operating income to come up with a new cash on cash return. And so this tool will show you this particular purchase, how beneficial is it for me to um, perform the cost segregation study? Wow, that's super cool. I can't mm -hmm. wait to use this. <laughs> this thing's awesome. Yeah, it's just it's just a little thing. It's just on my website at um, learnlikeacpa.com. Nice. All I, all I do is I just grab your email. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll definitely we'll put a link to that too. We're gonna we're gonna have like a a catalog of links from this, but it's gonna be really great. We need to do um, a second episode. I think. I, I think like well, yeah. Oh yeah. Like a follow up. So because uh, this one we might break into two as it is, and then you know, a follow-up, but it is so, you know, to Ryan's point, like I can see why you got into this industry and in this capacity, like there's just, there's so much here. And uh, again, there's a reason why 90% of millionaires have their hand in real estate. And I'm sure even more do after the last two years. Um, what about, you know, and this, this next one that I'm going to read off is one I've thought about a lot because I've actually heard several investors doing this themselves. And it, it's 
hiring your children to work in your business and how that can work too. Yeah, so that's a great strategy for people. The reason why I like that so much is that you're able to teach your child like hard work ethic and also uh, get some tax breaks for it. So the rule basically is, is if you hire your child in your business to do work for you and they're, they're under 18, you can pay them up to $12,950 and it'd be tax-free. Um, so you can get, you know, let's say you're in a 30% tax bracket, you pay them $12,000, you're going to get a $3,600 tax break for doing that to your child. And what's the best, I would say the second best part of that is your child, when they go to pick it up as income, they're not going to owe taxes because it's less than what's called the standard deduction amount, which changes every year for inflation. But it's basically a way to transfer, it's called income shifting. And it's a way to transfer wealth uh, income from your high tax bracket at 35% down to your child's bracket at zero. But more importantly, on the back end, and I will say this, the amount you have to pay your child has to be reasonable. And the way that I do this is, if let's say you're paying your child to do newspaper or, or marketing, whatever, what would you pay your neighbor's child to do that same work? So you're not paying your kid, you know, 40, $50 an hour. You're going to be paying them like 12 or 15 bucks an hour for the work that they're doing. But let's say, let's say that you can pay them a few thousand dollars a year because of the work that they're doing. Well, like we said, number one, it instills like hard work ethic and you're getting them to work uh, early. Right. And teach them a little bit about the business. Number two, you get a tax deduction for it. Right. From your business, you're getting immediate tax savings. The third best part is they don't have to pay any income tax on it. But the biggest thing here for the generational wealth building and planning is that now that the kid has earned income, whether they're 13, 14, you know, I've done this with clients as young as like nine or 10 uh, age. Now that the child has earned income, they're able to contribute to a Roth IRA retirement account. And what they're able to do with this vehicle is amazing because what the Roth IRA, when you put it in, you pay taxes. When you pull the money out, assuming uh, when you pull the money out, it's tax-free. If you pull the money out before 59 and a half, you have to pay a penalty. But there are certain exceptions in there where you don't have to pay a penalty. And so, for example, one of those uh, exceptions is for a first time home. And so you are able to pull money out. If you have a Roth IRA, like get that you know, 14 year old child, get them to start investing and saving in that Roth IRA. By the time they turn 21, 22, they're able to pull that money out completely tax free and penalty free if they buy a first time house, which can also double as a house hack. So it's a way to basically get your child their first house hack completely for free uh, because they're able to use this Roth IRA account that they had, they didn't have to pay taxes on the way in. All it was was income coming from your bank account to theirs and they were working for it. They're able to get their first house hack for free uh, and they're able to learn so much from it. Even if they didn't want to go that route, you still have all this income in a retirement account, which guess what? By the way, if you are 20 years old and you have 20 grand in a Roth IRA, that will grow to a million dollars by the time you're 60 without any additional contribution. So even if they just let it ride as a retirement account, it works out. Um, You can also tap into Roth IRA for college education expenses uh, or sometimes even medical emergencies. So it's a great way to, uh, number one, you know, teach hard work ethic. Number two, do income shifting from your high tax bracket down to your child's. And then most importantly, get them invested in that retirement account early. Um, so that way they can do some really cool things with that account down the line. So. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like for me, I mean, so my, 
my like background and why I went full in into real estate investing was it was like it, it was a really personal decision. Like I, you know, I was working at a company that was, um, you know, was impacted by COVID. I had a great job there. Now I was fortunate enough that I figured out a way to get like a promotion into a sister company. But my like my plan was just disrupted by this thing that I had no control over, right? Like I wanted to be at that company for like 10 years. Hmm. And then when I was like 40, I wanted to retire and just do investing. And it really sped a lot of that up, right? And a lot of it was that I wanted to try and find these mechanisms to continue to make, to, to continue to bring income in for my family. So that way, if somebody ripped something away from me again, like I wasn't stuck out in the cold, right? And mm-hmm. as I started doing more, more burrs, um, and, and as we bought the house in Maine, and like Kim and I talk about this stuff all the time, we've always been like, how can we like, like beyond like paying for college or whatever, how can we, you know, sort of like gift some of this to the kids somehow? Like I was kind of always like, oh, it'd be sweet to hand them a house when they graduate college and be like, here, don't screw it up. But I, I like, I like this approach that we're going over. Like I didn't really fully comprehend all the benefits of and strategy behind like you know, being able to, you know, take some of that tax money, put it into essentially paying your kid, but then it, like, if it's going into that Roth IRA and all the things that they can do with it once they're of age and like can go and use that. I mean, that's super, super, super powerful. It's not just like, oh, I don't want to pay taxes. I'm going to employ my kid. Like there's some real cool generational wealth stuff going on here that I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got to be one of my favorite strategies. You know, it it's it's a lot, you know, especially to get a kid to earn that much money working for you. But it, you know, the max contribution to a Roth this year, I, I believe is 6,000 and then next year it's 6,500. But right. even if even if you could get a few thousand dollars a year into that account, it's just going to grow to so, so it's going to grow so much that, and it opens up a lot of opportunities. And there's a lot of things within that Roth IRA that, once you d- dive into it, it's, it's really probably the best form of, if you have to have a retirement, it's, that's the best form just because uh, number one, you're actually able to access all the amount of money that you put into it. You're able to take out tax and penalty free, but it's those earnings on that money that you have to use towards, you know, something like a down payment or medical childcare, you know, education. And right. it's one of the, I think it's one of the best kept secrets out there. Just, of building generational wealth. So I'm happy to talk about it. And I do, I actually do have a podcast that is just the, that's the entire podcast is explaining that. So love it. You've like, you've hit on a lot of these angles of, of really what people need to know or would benefit from knowing. Um, I love it. We're, we're going to have like 10, 10 of these, 10 of these links at the end. But, um, you know, I think that this is probably like a, a good spot for us to kind of kind of rest it. I, I bet, you know, at this point, the listeners are like, okay, I got some learning to do. Um, before we just like end the podcast though, let's hear about the campsite deal. Like that sounds kind of fun. What's going on with that, uh, the campsite that you're looking at investing in? Yeah, so it uh, so we're under contract to buy the land now. And when, when I say we, it's me and a few other partners. Um, three other partners. It's um, there. There's a land part of it. 
The harder part of it was actually acquiring the financing because a lot of lend, you know, lenders don't want to lend on tents or something that's movable or that can be picked up or blown away. So that was really hard to find a lender that could uh, loan on these tents, but it looks like we're going to be able to do that. And so what we're doing is it's a 13 acre campground. We're doing uh, up to 18 glamping tents, two single family homes, uh, 45 RV hookups. And the area where it's at, there's just so much economic drivers to that area so that you have uh, like NASCAR has just got sponsored there. There's a new $100,000 or 100,000 square foot indoor water park that's opening up nearby. There's all these things that are driving attraction to that area. And it's what made it seem like a good investment. And I got to say, I was originally approached from it from the other partners. They're like, hey, we could use your expertise. And you said you had some capital. So that's how I kind of got drawn to this deal. But it really made me think like bigger and kind of swing with a bigger bat because I was doing these, you know, single family and multifamily short-term rentals and like the cash flow was good and I was earning, you know, a good cap rate or return, whatever you want to call it. But I realized that if I just had, if I invested in more in the higher volume deals, that even though my cash on cash might be lower, that it's still going to be more, it's still going to be wor more worth my time and energy than doing these other smaller deals. And I figured out my best use of my time was to focus on my business and kind of let other people manage my properties and let other people do the day-to-day -day stuff so I could focus on my business. And that's kind of how I ended up uh, being an investor, a general partner in this property. And I'm hoping to take what I learned from that experience and hopefully by the end of 2023, start syndicating and doing my own uh, investments. Maybe sooner, I'll say. I'm yeah. sure it will. I'm sure it'll happen sooner. I mean, you know, the it's sort of, again, it's that acceleration curve where you just, you put yourself around the right people and give to them. It's it, it life has a funny way of doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's sweet. It'll hopefully be done by the summer. Um, where's the so located? Really so this is going to be, it's in Missouri, just South of the Ozarks. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Just like the TV show. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a Marty Marty bird. It was a really good. Yeah. Oh man. That's, um, what, that's what my fiance told me when I told her about it. <laughs> You're gonna get the uh, the casino uh, boat, you know, to go outside the camp, like right on the lake there. <laughs> the little John boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Ryan, how? Tell us all the ways that people can find you, reach out to you, follow you and get all your content and information along with that it'll be in the show notes, but how can people find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at, at learn like a CPA uh, podcast, Spotify, YouTube is the learn like a CPA show. And I even have my own Facebook group. It's uh, tax strategies for real estate investors. So those are the ways you guys can get in contact with me with me. I also have my website. You can download some of my free tools. That's learn like a CPA.com. And uh, if you just reach out with a DM, I would, I'm probably going to respond. I normally respond during my workout sets. So if I don't respond this day, I'll get to it the next day or the day after. So. Love it. And if anybody wants to get into syndicating, give Ryan a call, make him be part of it. Let's get ahead of the yeah. one year goal here. Right. Let's um, do it. Well, Ryan, thank you so, so much. This may or may not get broken into two episodes, but absolutely love to have you on again. There's still a lot 
left that was unspoken about just in the interest of time and want to be considerate of your schedule. I know you're busy, but seriously, thank you. Um, for everyone out there, again, this is the Hassle-Free RE podcast. This was uh, Ryan Bakey uh, learned from Learn Like a CPA, and I'm sure you'll be seeing him online or speaking at different events, and put yourself out there. Try going to some because there's a lot to learn. So thank you. Thanks so much.